Cowboy, welcome to the Outstanding Life Podcast. And you know I bring the coolest people on the show, and today is no different. We have a gentleman from Connecticut that shares the exact same last name as mine, and he's a Catholic priest. Welcome to the show, Father Glenn Demetrician. Father Glenn, how are you? Very good. Thank you, John. Oh, man, it is so nice to be able to look at your last name, and I know exactly what it is. How many? is. I'm just, just curious. How many times do people look at you and say, just Father Glenn D? Yes. Usually, well, in the parish, I go by Father Glenn, and that's because I want to be charitable to the people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I always say I got held back in second grade because I couldn't spell our yeah. last name. And just, yeah. <laughs> just so everybody knows, um, me and Father Glenn are not related that we know of yet. We're both still—I've been calling a bunch of family members asking, but um, you know, social media has been a good thing because I've found a lot of cool and interesting people, mm-hmm. as well as you, Father Glenn, so I appreciate you you coming on to the show today. Very happy to be here. So, hey, listen, let's just kick things off. All these questions that I have today came from social media. Some of them were mine. Some of them were from friends. And, and, and I just want people to realize that priests are real men. You didn't just fall from heaven into a church one day. Is that, that is fair? true. <laughs> that is very true. Yes, we are real people. We do. Yes, we are human. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's got to be tough for you. I mean, I know how tough it is for for me, uh, just being a motivational speaker. And you, it seems like you always have to be on. You know what I mean? Or if somebody recognizes right. you, you have to be on. And I just want people to, you know, realize at the end of the show that you know Father Glenn is just a cool priest. So. Mm. We're going to kick things off with this first question, and, and, and a listener wants to know, what were what were you like as a kid? What was Father Glenn like? Okay. Um, well, I mean, I grew up in a regular family, you know, uh, with my parents. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, um, but my father uh, works, worked at that time for the aerospace industry, and uh, his job kind of took us around the country a lot. So uh, got some different exposures of living in different parts of the country. And uh, but as a kid, you know, normal, I, I guess I would call myself normal. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe to some people I wouldn't be. But, uh, you know, I, play, I played soccer and, um, you know, had friends and things and uh, pretty much did what a normal kid would do. So nothing. I didn't have a halo around my head or anything like that. So. <laughs> this is great. And, and, and this question here, when did you know that you wanted to become a priest? Were you, okay, a, yes. were you were you a young boy? Were you older in life? I mean, right. when, when okay, was that yes. aha moment for you? Okay, so growing up in my household, we were <clears throat> a very typical Catholic family, which means we went to Mass twice a year, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> uh, so we were not necessarily <laughs> a devout family. <clears throat> but when I got into high school, I started to kind of reflect and ask bigger questions. Uh, I used, I, I remember in high school, I had this kind of attraction to the church. And when I would go to mass and look at the altar and the crucifix and all the symbolism around it, I found it very enticing and it's something I wanted to explore. So I never thought I wanted to be a priest until I would say sophomore or really junior year in high school. Um, and then I began meeting with the, 
the priest at my parish, you know, maybe once every couple months. And we would talk about my possibility of being a priest. And he was very helpful um, with kind of helping me figure out if I was really being called to this. And uh, immediately following high school, I applied to the seminary. I was accepted and I entered the seminary Wow! to, to study to study to be a Catholic priest. Father Glenn, I, I want to share something with you. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I know we've talked a few times, but uh, my sophomore and junior year and including senior year, um, I thought that I wanted to be a priest. Mm. And it's funny when I became a motivational speaker, I'm like, you know what? I kind of, I'm not a priest, but it's kind of cool that I'm still putting positive things in the world, you know, through stories right. and, and, and through traveling and um, yeah, so I wanted to um, explore that. I never did, but um, just kind of cool that that I'm a lot right. older than you, and uh, yeah. <laughs> we share that. Um, hey, did you like school? Were you good in school? Um, well, when I was in school, I didn't like school at all. No, <laughs> high school, no. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily call myself the you know the most studious. Although I always did well, I never had a problem you know doing the work. Uh, but I really kind of got more of a grasp for education and schooling when I went to major seminary in Boston, uh, which was the last four years of my preparation uh, before I got ordained a priest. And there I really, I think obviously I got older, so I matured a little bit and I started to really kind of appreciate, uh, you know, academics. Yes. But growing up, no. I, I, I love, I love how you just put that when you got older. Now, yeah. those of you that don't know, Father Glenn is only 29 <laughs> years old. He's not even 30 years old yet. And, um, uh, and I, and I think that that's important, um, because that question came in from a person in high school, you know, and they, and I, and I think people have that misconception of a priest, like just being like perfect their whole life, perfect right. days, perfect yeah. in sports, perfect in this and perfect in that. And you're, and right. you're showing that, Hey, listen, I was just a real person. I'm a, I was mm -hmm. a real kid. You know right. what I mean? Right. Right. So, so getting into, you know, the priesthood and stuff, what was it like? For you, and, and and I, this is a kind of a tough question for me to even ask, but and I don't know exactly how to ask it, but I'm so I'm just going to ask it. And what was it like for you to give up everything, everything, everything that most men and women strive to have in life: marriage, kids, cars, money, houses vacation, like all these things that people mm -hmm. strive for every single day, you gave up for your faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, why? How, I mean, how did you come to that conclusion that, that you said, you know, my faith is so strong that I'm going to give all of this up for God? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I would say first off that, you know, with any young man, aspiring to be a priest it's really a choice of vocation so it's uh, you know like a young man choosing mar the path of marriage and family is is a, is a natural good and at the same time a young man discerning and and choosing the path of, of the priesthood is also a natural good I and mean, they're both necessary you know i think a lot of people fail to recognize the fact that we need both married life and we need the priesthood because they they they're they're both kind of pumping life into the church, you know? Um, so for me to give it up or to give something up, I wouldn't say I really gave anything up. If anything, I just received a huge gift um, of really maybe of looking at 
priority in life and seeing that material possession um, is not always what satisfies, you know, and I think a lot of people, maybe even perhaps this past year, have resonated with that. Um, but also looking into the fact of, you know, the nature of a priest, which is really to be a gift to others. You know, um, there's this beautiful poem I, I read and, and I don't know if it's a poem, but it's a quote and I can summarize it in a few short sentences. It just talks about, you know, how the priest is a 24 hour a day man, how he's a member of every family yet belonging to none. Uh, he's, um, you know, at the beck and call of all of his parishioners, he can be disturbed at his prayers, awaken at night to go to the hospital, uh, taken from his meals. Uh, and he does all this, um, not because he's strong or, 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 uh, has his own power, but because he is a weak instrument that God uses to keep Christ in the lives of the people. And, um, that's something that I, I kind of reflect on a lot showing that this is, this is nothing that I'm doing. It's just God working through me. Uh, and really, honestly, that ability is he's able to work through everyone uh, if they just, you know, maybe dispose themselves in the right way, uh, for the Lord to do that. I love that. I love how you just put that. And and, you, and you're right. You didn't give up anything. Um, you received a gift. And um, you are definitely gifted. I mean, you brought tears to my eyes uh, answering that question. Um, what did your family and friends think when you told them? When you when you're like, hey, I mean, like, did yeah. you, like, like, did you have a party and say, hey, folks, come on over? I, <laughs> I got I got some big news for you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. how, did, how did that happen? Um, I'd say they were shocked because I necessarily probably wasn't the most priestly kid running around. Um, <laughs> uh, but they were also, I would say they were shocked, but not surprised. I think that's probably a good, a good way to put it because, uh, as I, as I said, as I went through high school, I really started taking the faith seriously. Um, and they knew, you know, that this was something. And I, I remember when I was in high school, I started going to my parents. I'm like, you know, maybe we should start going back to mass. And, you know, I just had like this kind of this desire to bring others to Jesus, which is ultimately what a priest does every single day. So um, I would say they were shocked, but not surprised. I love that. So I'm just curious now, now does mom and dad go to church with you? Um, or attend church? We'll, we'll leave it at that. My mother does. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and again, I, I know it's funny, but, right. but, but there's a lot of people that, you know what I mean? True. They, oh, yeah. that, that and, need and to hear that again. You're not, right. I mean, no family's perfect, especially, no, de- and, especially a demetrician. <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, you know, the thing, you know, the thing of is, is though, John is, you know, faith really has to be free too. So we can never like force people to do something, you know, I mean, this is free will. God gives it to us to use it the way we want. And you know what? It can never be forced. It has to be free. So there always has to be, it has to be a free response to the invitation. What, what was it like for you? And, and, um, cause I know what it was like for me when my friends and family heard me speak for the very first time on stage. Um, mm-hmm. what was it like for you when, cause I'm sure it happened in different times, but what was it like for you to, to have your mom see you say mass or one right. of your friends coming to church and, and seeing you say mass? What was it like right. for you? I mean, I'm getting chill bumps just now, just even asking the question. No, that's, that's a good question. I'll be honest with you. So when I was younger, I was very, um, nervous of talking in front of people, um, I remember even up until when I was in the seminary, we'd have to do readings and stuff, you know, for mass. And I would even kind of like, you know, get the jitters and I would start to shake and things and very, very nervous. And then honestly, it was like that just turned off 
after I was ordained a priest. And I don't know if it was because I prayed that God would take that that fear away, but I just now it's it's not I'm going to say it's not natural, but it's it's not a it doesn't bother me. Um, it doesn't stress me out. Um, you know, I mean, pre-COVID, you know, every Christmas and Easter, we would have churches would be mobbed. I mean, we're talking, you know, at some masses would be 700 people alone. And, you know, going up there, I, there's really there's something to be said, because you almost feel like you're just talking to one person. Right. Um, and you kind of forget all the other, you know, thousands of eyes that are looking at you. So, uh, but it was a humbling thing to do, but it was also, I, I would say a gift, um, you know, from God that allow, allowed me to do that. So, so do you remember one of your best sermons? Like one, one of, wait a minute. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, just like yeah. you said, I mean, there yeah. has to be one that sticks out or at least sticks out right now. That, yeah. that you're um, like, wow, man, I mean, everybody's watching me and listening to me or, or wow, afterwards, you know, so many people came. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. Um, but, yeah. but do you have one that really sticks out? You know, that's a tough, that's a tough question. I, I honestly, I actually don't have one that sticks out. I will say I used to really, um, how can I say, I used to really enjoy uh, Christmas and Easter when I would see all these people I never saw throughout the rest of the year. And I would always go up and I would say, wow, I never knew we had this many Catholics in Brantford. I never knew we had this many Catholics in Hartford. Nice to see you. Um, but I, I, but no, I would say on a, on a, on a serious note, I wouldn't say, I, I actually don't know if there's actually one in particular. I have, you know, this is the, the thing when preaching, you preach highs, you know, of like, you know, preaching of, you know, graduations and weddings and very festive and, and celebratory things. And then you preach very solemn, you know, tragic funerals, uh, you know, sad, sad situations of, you know, trying to bridge hope to people when it seems like there is none. So there's a wide variety. But if I could pinpoint one, I, I don't really think I probably could. On the flip side, Father Glenn, I have to ask, have you ever messed up during mass or a wedding or mispronounced someone's name? I mean, whatever. I mean, I don't know, but have you ever like one that just maybe like maybe when you first started, um, you know, Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, definitely. And, and as, and as a why, and as a wise priest told me what's said today is forgotten tomorrow. <laughs> so it happens, you know, it does happen. So I mean, and I'm just sitting here, just thinking okay. of, of you, you know, uh, you, you know, um, being only 29 years old, and especially when you have a bunch of people that have never seen you before, like at Easter or Christmas, do you right. always get, "Wow, you're young to be a priest"? Yes, that's very common. Yes. <laughs> um, this is another social media question. Um, what do you do for fun? What does a a priest do for fun, Father Glenn? Okay, well, for me, my hobbies and uh, I'm I'm still uh, very into sports and things. So um, I love baseball. So in the summertime, I'm not I don't live that far from Yankee Stadium. So I usually well, before COVID, I would go down at least two or three times during the season for a Yankees game with a couple of my friends or even some family. Um, I also enjoy uh, hiking uh, up in New Hampshire a lot. A lot of one of my uh, good friends, uh, he also enjoys doing that. And him and I, we will go and we will hike and we'll camp out and just, you know, enjoy, you know, God's creation. Uh, so those are the, the two things I, I really do enjoy doing. Um, also just, I mean, I really enjoy uh, a lot of uh, small kind of discipleship um, meetings with parishioners. 
dinners to like small gatherings. I used to, before COVID again, you know, used to go to people's homes and even if a person would invite me for dinner to their house, I would say, great, you want me to say mass too? And I'd bring all my mass stuff and I'd have the mass right in their living room, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I really enjoy doing that as well. So, because um, I think it brings the, the church to the house, you know, which is really needed. Uh, we need to start making more connections. So, um, yeah, I would say, but for me, really what I really do enjoy is my, I do enjoy sports really and baseball, especially, uh, the New York Yankees and also just, um, hiking and, and things and things like that. So, so you, I, I know you are, you know, a huge Yankees fan, but, but yes. now do you, do you like do anything with the team or anything like that because of the fact you're a priest and there might be guys on the team that that are Catholic? Well, you know, I've always, I, you know, I did hear back in the day, there used to be a Catholic priest and he was the chaplain to the Yankees. And he tried to, and he would, you know, say mass for the, for the Catholic players and things, but no, I mean, I've tried, I mean, I, I tried, I mean, you know, it's, it's a different time now, but, um, no, I mean, I have, I did, uh, a couple of years ago, I did go down to Tampa with a friend of mine for the spring training. And I did get in touch with one of the uh, scouts for the Yankees. And, and uh, he kind of gave me a little behind the scenes tour. It was very nice. I met some of the, the younger uh, prospect uh, players. And uh, so that was a lot of fun, but that's about it. I, I, I don't have any other, any other ways. And unless you know of any, then let me know, but. <laughs> well, there might, there might be a couple of them listening to this podcast. I mean, you never know. Oh, okay, you know? great. Well, if they, if they need a chaplain, I am willing and ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, do you get a lot of perks being a priest? I'm just curious, you know what I mean? Like say you're out and, and, and people find out that, that you're a priest, do you get your meals paid for and stuff like that? Or, or when you're out, do you, you know what I mean? Like, do you get perks being a priest? Outside, yeah, that's a, outside of saving, you know what I mean? Being right, a priest right. in church. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I would say yes and no. I mean, I wouldn't say anything more than what anybody else would in, in their own community, you know? So it's nothing extravagant. I mean, I think that was maybe a precedent back in, you know, 1950s or 60s. But, you know, today I think people really realize that, you know, the priests are, are they're just, they're, they're normal guys. And I mean, you know, none of them should be put on pedestals or anything like that or have all these special favors done. Um, so uh, I would say, I would say, I mean, yes, but it's, it's very rare. Well, it's not, it's not an everyday occurrence. I love that. Speaking of being a real man, this question came from social media. Can priests have a drink or two? Or many. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a yes then. Uh, sure. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, within moderation, you know, um, I think any any gathering of if it's a social or festive gathering with you when you're with other people. Yes. Uh, drinking is always warranted and, and appropriate if the occasion, you know, uh, is is of that of that uh, level. So, yes, priests, priests do enjoy uh, a drink now and then. Um, so, yes. So I'm just curious then, are you a, and, and, and I'm curious because, you know, the listeners may want to send you something. Are you a beer guy? Are you a whiskey guy? Are you a bourbon? Guy? I mean, what, what, right. what is your thing? I think, yeah. So uh, my beer, I do like beer. My favorite beer is Treehouse uh, Brewery. It's, it's, fr- it's a local uh, brew in from Massachusetts. I love Treehouse Brewery. Uh, they have a lot, they do a lot of, uh, you know, micro brews and IPAs and things. Um, so that's for beer. And then for other, you know, honestly, I really will default to just maybe a, a white wine for, for dinner, um, and things like that. So I don't really have specific, you know, favorites of, I kind of 
I, I sample it all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, who was your favorite teacher and why? My favorite teacher. Okay. Well, I would say when I was in the seminary, there was a priest uh, who taught there. He was a Dominican priest. And um, he, I would say he was my favorite professor. He um, had a way about him of teaching, but also it was, it was the way he taught was he in, he like, it, he was like a walking textbook. And I don't mean that where he wasn't relatable, but like, he just, you know how when somebody teaches and they really know what they're talking about, uh, that was why I think this, and his name was Father Romanus and he just was a, a, a wonderful priest. He's still, I think now he's teaching down in uh, Florida, but wonderful priest, a uh, wonderful professor, great, great, um, educator and just really a font of, of, uh, wisdom. Now, do you teach as well? Yes. On, on, on occasion I do. Uh, I, um, so you're a substitute. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Over at the, um, over at the, uh, at, at the high school where I, where I'm a chaplain at, uh, occasionally, you know, some of the, um, teachers may go out on, you know, if they're sick or whatever, and I'll, I'll fill in, um, and, or even, even now I have like a standing class where I'll like once a month go in, I'll give you a, I'll give you a presentation until I say the freshman one day or the seniors another day and go in and just kind of, um, you know, give, give whatever the, the teacher thinks might be appropriate at the time. So yes. And that's, a, that's true for all priests. Teaching is always kind of part of the priesthood. Every priest, I would say within at some point in the priesthood finds themselves in a classroom. So what's it like for you to go back to a high school and teach? Oh, it's great. It's really great. Uh, the kids are really enthusiastic, um, about learning, which is nice. And they, um, I think it's, I think it's a good way for the students to, to learn about the Catholic faith from a priest who lives out the Catholic faith, you know, um, it kind of puts it all, puts it all together. So are you a fun teacher or are you a strict teacher? Actually, you know, I may joke around in things, but I, I it, you know, I, I have to say I'm very fair. So, you know, if it's when I when you're in the when you're in the classroom, you got to, you know, teach what's taught. And if somebody doesn't, you know, make the grade, it's what it is. So. <laughs> so you're so no, strict. Great, you're... no great inflation, John. <laughs> no, because I, I, I'm just thinking about going back to your childhood and, and you growing yeah. up and, and you sitting there and now you're able to be that teacher in front of everybody. And you're like, yep. oh, OK, this is great. This is great. Yep. So I, I'm just curious, what kind of music do you listen to? Not church music. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's that's a good. So I don't listen to anything from the organ outside of when I'm in the church. So. <laughs> 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 and even when I'm in the church, I wish we could not use it. But anyways, um, uh, so no, I, I do listen to, uh, there's a lot of good Christian artists around uh, that produce very good, like praise and worship. Uh, so I do listen to that on occasion. Um, you know, if I'm working in the yard or something, I'll play maybe some nice country music. Um, that's about it. I mean, I, I do listen to music a lot. I do. Country uh, music? I listen to a little country. I, absolutely. Well, I find country music very relaxing, especially if you're like doing a project in the yard or something. It it, it helps get work done. I, I find. I love it. I would have never thought in a million years that you would yeah. have answered that question. <laughs> country music. I got to be honest with you. I thought for sure you were, you were going to say rock and roll. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Because music, if we listen to music, it should be music that kind of lifts up the soul. And a lot of that other music is, and in my opinion, it's chaotic. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, we have too much chaos as it is. But hey, when was the last concert and who was the last concert you went and saw like a band? Oh, you know, that's OK. So. A couple years ago, I went to see Trans... Actually, I'm talking about rock and roll. I did see a rock and roll concert. Uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra for Ooh. their Christmas, yep. Christmas show. And before that, I went and saw Jack Johnson. I don't know if you know Jack Johnson. Uh, he's uh, He plays a guitar. I like his music. It's very good. One of my other good friends does as well. And we saw him in Boston. That was a couple years ago. So just curious then. I mean, are like, do you play guitar or the organ or another no. instrument? No, I'm not. I mean, I, I played in high school the violin, but I was never really good at it. It was almost like just because my mother wanted me to play an instrument. And then she went around <laughs> telling everybody, my son plays the violin. My son plays the violin, even though I could like barely play jingle bells on it. But anyways, so um, I do have a violin. I'm not good at it, but I can say I can maybe play a couple songs on that. But that's about it. I'm not really too musically inclined. That's awesome. So so there is. So you, are you a good singer then? I, you know, I, so when you're in the seminary, you do kind of learn how to sing, um, because a lot of our, our masses and the liturgy of the hours is all like chanted and stuff. Right. So I, I, I can sing. Yes. Um, you know, but that's, you know, yeah. So I would say that, but other, other musical instruments and things, no. <laughs> uh, what's the most beautiful place you've ever been to? Hmm. That's a good question. So as a, priest i and as a, when i was in the seminary I, I did i was blessed and privileged to travel to a lot of places in the world um and in 2018 i led a pilgrimage to italy and uh my last name might be dematrician but uh which is my polish side but i i um my mother is italian and that was a really special trip for me to go to italy so i would say the most beautiful place was um I went from Venice down to Rome, and when I went into St. Peter's Basilica, and I actually celebrated Mass there on one of the altars there with my group, that was probably a very – it was a very spiritual experience, but just just, just to see the beauty of Catholicism and, and Italy and Rome, I would say, was uh, absolutely amazing. Let me if, – if, if, if you could say Mass anywhere in the world tomorrow, mm -hmm. where would it be? You know, definitely. Yes, definitely. In the Holy Land, um, probably in the uh, probably the Church of the Nativity or the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in one of the places where Jesus walked, you know. Yeah. And lived and lived. Yeah. That's awesome. What's the yeah. right age to get married? This um, this is not coming from me. Uh, this came in on social media a couple of days ago and they wanted to know what the right age to get married is. Okay, well, you know, so it's really up to the, you know, how the person is, you know, developed in terms of their maturity and able to take on an obligation, which is, you know, for life. Um, so I would say current trends now have pushed marriage back, you know, a little later. I think most people are getting married now in their early 30s, as opposed to maybe 30, 40 years ago when most people were getting married in their early 20s. Um, I would say of the couples that I've married and done marriage prep with, 
the ones that are really kind of with it, believe it or not, are more on the uh, not even 30 yet. They're in like the late 20s. Um, I find that that's, you know, a kind of a good age because it's they're out of college or they're out of their, their they have a or if they didn't go to college, they have good jobs by then, hopefully. And they're kind of so they have leverage and they're not they're already matured enough that they can take on these, but they're also, they also have that kind of youthful vitality to them and um, kind of zest for life. So I would say late twenties, 27, 28, 29. That's my own personal opinion for a target kind of good age to get married, but it's different for everyone though. It really is. I mean, there's really not, you know, so you don't have to name names right now, but I am just like, cause you, you have just such a good personality and I can't even imagine how awesome uh, your weddings are. Um, is there one that sticks out that you're like, Oh my gosh, this is the funniest wedding I have ever been a part of. Mm. Well, there's, well, funny things have happened. I remember, uh, I mean, I remember my first wedding very well, but the one wedding I did a couple of years ago, it was in September and all the churches, church windows were open, you know, and the mass was going very nicely. And it was a nice September morning. And here in new England, you know, it's getting a little cooler, but it's like September is a very nice month here in Connecticut, very comfortable temperatures, low humidity. So fresh air, kind of the crisp air is starting to come in. And we had the, the windows open, just very refreshing, so nice. And all of a sudden, we get to the to the uh, exchange of vows. Right before the exchange of vows, every single lawnmower in town started to go on. Leaf blowers, <laughs> weed whackers, lawnmowers. I mean, it was so noisy. And I actually was going to go for it. And I said, okay, you know what? I said, hold on, everybody. We're going to pause the wedding for a second. Can everybody go to the end of the pew, close the windows for these beautiful couple so they don't have to remember getting married to lawnmowers? <laughs> oh i love it what's your favorite ice cream flavor Ooh, ice cream flavor um mint chocolate or moose tracks i think we really are the more i'm starting to to do this interview with you i'm really because the mint chocolate chip's my favorite too i'm really starting to think that we really are somehow related even though we're oh, not I'm sure how many demetricians are there really in the world i mean this is you know <laughs> i'm still i'm still i mean it first of all it's an absolute pleasure to just just be hanging out with you right now but to know that i have father glenn demetrician on the on the other line um you know i've been me and paul have done i think over 60 or 70 podcasts and um it just keeps getting better and better and better because um, God connects me with so many cool people. And Father That's Glenn, great. again, I just, I just can't thank you enough for hanging out. And I'm not done with you, but I just want to say just thank you for taking uh, some time off, you know, of your busy day to uh, to hang out with me and, and the listeners. Yeah. Um, I love this question. Again, came in from social media. What what's um, what's a great book you've read recently? Hmm, that's a good question. And okay. not and not the Bible. Right, right, because I do a lot of that, uh, which is very important. But it's yeah, very important. Um, well, it was actually another religious book that I actually just finished reading. Um, it was recommended to me recommended to me by a good friend of mine, and it was called The Life of Mary, as seen by the mystics. Um, I just finished it um, a couple days ago, and um, it's a really good read. It just talks about Mary, you know, the mother of Jesus, yep. and like who she was because she's not mentioned so much in the bible it's just small sections here and there but just talking about her and what a beautiful woman she was a woman of faith a woman of god you know obviously highly favored and chosen 
um, and very relatable. Um, so that was that was a really uh, inspiring book I just recently read. Do you like pets? Pets, yes. Well, certain ones, but yes. <laughs> Dogs or cats? Dogs. Dogs. So, so being a priest, yeah. Are you allowed to have pets? Some, some do. Yes, I personally do not, just because I would feel so guilty if I had. I would love. So, first of all, I would love to have a dog. I had a dog growing up. My family had an English Springer Spaniel, um, and she was a beautiful dog. She did die. What was um, her name? Kuby, C-O-O-B-Y. And that was because my brother, when he was younger, he couldn't say he used to watch Scooby-Doo all the time, but he couldn't say Scooby. He just said Kuby-Doo. <laughs> so we named our dog Kuby, C-O-O-B-Y. Uh, and she was a really great dog. I mean, I grew up with her. She, I actually, she died right after I graduated high school. So basically she was with me all, most of my life. I mean, I think we got her when I was like seven or something. And then she died when I graduated high school. So I love dogs and I loved that, that dog, especially she would go with us on all of our vacations and down to the beach and everything. I mean, she just was a great dog. Um, but for right now, I, I personally, I would not be, I, if I had a dog, I would be a terrible owner because I'm always out and about, I'm never really stay, you know, like in all the time. So it's, it's, it would be very difficult to try to take care of a dog with the lifestyle I have now. So I regret it. I would love, and if I were to get a dog now, I would probably get like a golden retriever because I think they're really awesome dogs, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Father Glenn, when you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself mm. feel better? I mean, because, you know, again, being a priest, I'm sure that people come to you every single day wanting encouragement, wanting inspiration, want, wanting that motivation. But when, right. but when Father Glenn's having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? Um, I would say first I do is, of course, pray. You know, I, I, go, I go to the Lord in prayer, um, ask him for just to take away any kind of useless anxiety, as I like to call it, because most anxiety is useless. It does nobody any good. Um, so I, I just pray for that. And usually I'll, I'll clear my head, take a long walk, uh, you know, if there's something that's really pressing that I'm really kind of, you know, dealing with or, or, or causing me stress. Um, but I would say, you know, just having a kind of um, balanced approach to problems because it would help me a lot was recognizing that when something might not be going my way or some, some incident might've happened, um, in any given time, I'm not alone. This is the daily struggle of everybody. And I hear it a lot as priests, you know, through confession and things like that, you know, life is, life is, life can be tough, you know, and it is tough and it's not always, you know, uh, as the ideal to which we kind of strive for in life sometimes takes, takes, um, takes time to, to, uh, grow and, and mature. And, uh, so I would say for me, I would, uh, you know, of course, turn, turn to the Lord in prayer and then try to find time to just kind of get out, clear my head, fresh air always tends to help me as well. So father Glenn, do you have bad days? And I'm just curious because I, I know that there are people right now are, you know, people are going to be listening to this podcast and they're going to be working out or they're going to be riding their bike or they're going to be just listening to this. Do priests have bad days? Right. Um, I would say yes. I mean, as, as a human person, you know, it's not like we're immune to uh, life or the realities of life. So, yes, of course, you know, uh, thanks be to God, there, there's more good days than there are bad days. I, I'll, I'll 
I, I will say that, but, um, part of the human experience is, is just that. And part of the human experience is just like you said, I mean, you know, you say mass, um, you do the weddings. What was it like for you when you went to the hospital and you lost somebody for the first time or, or you did your first funeral? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I mean, there, there, there are so many cool things about being a priest and, and so many celebrations, um, yeah. but the celebration of life and, you know, doing a funeral or, or being at the hospital and losing somebody as you're giving them the right. last rites. I mean, what was it like for right. you, especially being yeah. so young? Right. No, it, that's definitely. And I would say actually in the life of priests, the, the latter is more common. Most of our, our work is actually doing funerals, is going to hospitals, anointing the sick and the dying. Um, and for me, it was a big check on the the, brev- the, the brevity of life how short it is for all of us and how fragile it is, you know, and how it's just a pure gift. So I don't look at it as, as an, as an invitation of being nervous or frightful or, or scared, but rather, uh, for me in my own work of, you know, uh, of, uh, you know, consoling grieving families and anointing the, the dead is it's a great grace, you know, to, to anoint somebody who's just about to die and pass over to the next life. Um, one of the things I've done on a few occasions, um, again, this was pre COVID when things were a little bit more fluid. I would, if the person was responsive, I would be there with the family and I would anoint the person. And I would say, when you get to heaven, please pray for me, you know? Um, and it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, so, but it also just shows the, the, the reality of life, um, and how none of us can escape the clock of time, but rather God gives us this time to, to make the most of it and, and to, um, view life as always a gift, whether it's going in our direction or not, is always a gift. Father Glenn, I, I just appreciate you being so honest with me and the listeners right now. I just, I, I really can't thank you. I'm just sitting here. I have, you know, tears in my eyes. I, I, you give me goosebumps. Just, I just really appreciate the, the, um, just the honesty. Um, cake or pie? Pie. Really? What kind? Yes. Well, you know, I have, yeah, I'm, I'm a pie guy. Yeah. I would say, um, chocolate cream pie is, is one of my favorites and also just a good old fashioned blueberry pie. Hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburg. <laughs> just a hamburger or cheeseburger? Uh, cheese. Yeah. Cheeseburger. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, you know, I'm curious. If your yeah. if if your road didn't take you to becoming an incredible priest, mm-hmm. what do you th- what do you think you'd be doing for a living? How would you be earning your paycheck? Mm, that's a good question because I would have to be doing something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things I, I before I you know entered the seminary, one of the things I, I was I was attracted to two other professions. Um, this is the nerd side of me. I love weather and I love, well, I used to, I don't really anymore, but I used to like love like work, looking at like weather models and, and I was really into science and things. And so I did at one time entertain uh, being a meteorologist, believe it or not. Um, I really, really love that stuff. I mean, I love, and even now I, every time there's a good snowstorm coming, like I'll look it up and I'll see, you know, what the, what the timing of it is all that. And I'll look at the radar during. So I, I love all that stuff. So that was definitely something I wanted to do. And also possibly just teaching of some sort. Uh, but 
I would say the meteorology was something that I, I really considered heavily, actually. But then I made the decision to become a priest. So is that because, you know, they're on TV? You wanted to be on TV? No, I didn't want to be one on TV. I just want to be like behind the scenes, like, you know, like making weather forecasts and looking at models and things, weather models and just, you know, just looking at all that. I just was, uh, I don't know. I find it to be kind of fun. What's your favorite app on your phone? My favorite app on the phone? Well, I don't want to say the social media. I, I, you know what? I hate to say it. It's Amazon because it's so easy to buy stuff with the Amazon app. It's pathetic. You just, you just warm the hearts of so many women right now that, that are yeah. listening to this saying to their husbands, see, Father Glenn says it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon. Wow. Okay. Um, this question came in on social media. It actually came in this morning. It says, I'm a firefighter and we have to, um, take turns cooking. And when we're on duty, you know, we cook for each other. Uh, you're living with priests. Do you take turns cooking? If so, are you a good cook? Mm, well, it depends who I'm living with, whether I'll eat their food. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Um, no, I would say, yeah, most priests don't know how to cook. Um, so I, usually it's, it's no, I, I mean, there are, there are some that do. I have not been blessed though with any priest I've lived in, that I've lived with that happens to be a cook. So that's never been my experience. I can do very light cooking. Um, cause my mother being Italian, I did, I did learn, you know, I can make my, I make my own sauce and I can do all that chicken parm and meatballs and all that. Uh, but I'm very limited as well. So I've never had that luxury, but I do know of other priests that do live with other priests that are really talented, good cooks. And it's great. I mean, if you, if you can do it, absolutely. Do you barbecue? Yes, that's easy. The grill is no problem at all. So I'm just picturing it and, 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 and the listeners might be picturing this too. I'm just sitting, I'm sitting here just thinking about this for a second. There's a couple priests hanging out around the barbecue, have a couple beers in their hands, just talking like, what do you guys, what do you guys talk about? The church and the problems. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that is, sometimes that is part of it. No, well, we talk about, I mean, usually a lot of us will talk about like what's going on in our parishes. That, that That's always a very common discussion. Uh, the strengths, the weaknesses of it. And usually we'll bounce off each other, how we can make our individual parishes better, you know? Uh, so that's always one. Usually always current events always come up, you know, talking about what's going on in the political sphere on, you know, church and state relations and things um sports if that's the the group discussion uh you know that always comes up and uh so i, I honestly what anybody else would probably talk, talk about of you know their own personal career and life circumstance again you're a real person yes um, I, I do i do like to think that anyways <laughs> what's what's one thing or misconception that they may have people that are listening of priests you know, because I mean, what do you want people to know? Yeah, um, I would say a lot of people have a misconception that the priests are just very de uh, like detached from the world. And because of that, they have no like understanding of, of life and of struggle or even success. They just think like priests are like, I don't know, just absent from all that. And I would like people to know that that's not the case. We have, we come from real families. We, we grew up in homes just like them. We, most of us have gone through situations in life that, you know, 
other people have gone through, you know, meaning, you know, sad, sad experiences, happy experiences um, that we do have, you know, things that we're interested in, whether it be sports or arts or music or cooking or whatever. Uh, you know, it's a wide, wide variety. But I, I guess people should at least know that priests are not people that are like this, like this, like superhuman type person where oh my gosh, that's the priest, so we can't talk to him. We can't even look at him because he's the priest. You know, that mentality hopefully is going to be chipped away. And I think it is starting to, I, I do see movement in the right direction in terms of the life of the priest today, where it was maybe many years ago. I mean, many years ago in 1950s, priests would basically just be confined to their rectories, you know, and that's it. I mean, now most priests are going to parishioners' homes for dinner on, you know, in the evenings and things. I mean, it's a very different, different dynamic today which I think is very healthy. I appreciate, again, you just being so honest and, and, and telling us that, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. Are priests allowed to have like businesses or to be entrepreneurs and, and make money outside of the church? Uh, no, because, um, so yes and no. So a priest could not like have his own business per se um, outside of his own ministry. So as, as a priest, you know, I take, uh, I don't actually, so as a diocesan priest, I don't take a vow of poverty. Uh, some priests do the type of priest I am. I don't do that. So like, but because of that, I still have to, I have to pay my own bills like everybody else. I mean, I do get a paycheck like everybody else, but with that, I have to pay my own bills as well. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, uh, more of a transactional thing, but, um, so, but I, I wouldn't be, but priests are also called to take on like a gospel simplicity of life and a gospel poverty. So while we're not called to live, Poverty, like, you know, some religious sisters might do or some other religious uh, brothers or or even other priests may do. Um, we are called to, you know, like it wouldn't be in the life of a priest to, like, run a convenience store next door to his parish, you know, in his own name. Like, that, that's not something a priest would ever do because it doesn't fit in the line of a priest. You know what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. So it, it's um, – you know, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. No, no. And that, and that's fine. But what, but what let's, let's just say hypothetically that you came up with the, the coolest widget in the world. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to, to take that to market? And I mean, even though you're not going to work every day, like, right. if, like if, if you invented something, are you allowed I to take? So. Oh, sure. I mean, if, yeah, if, if, if you get your own patent or whatever, I, I would assume so. I mean, I, I never heard of anything. I don't know of a reason to the con to the contrary. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, this question came in this morning. Um, and father Glenn, you know, I, when I put it on social media that I was interviewing you, um, all these questions, most of them came in from social media of people wanting to get to know you, but wanting to get to know priests. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I've already said it three times. I'm going to say it again. I just appreciate your honesty. But this lady wrote to me this morning and she says, um, I was baptized as a Catholic and went to Catholic schools. I fell away from the church and I want to go back. Am I allowed back in the church? Well, that's a beautiful question. And I would say the church doors are always swinging back and forth. And what I mean by that is the church doors are never locked to anybody. And, uh, whether we're in the church, we're baptized in the church, we were Catholic when we were growing up and we left the way, that's fine. But if we ever wanted to come back, 
that door is open. I mean, it's never a locked door. There's there's no lock on the doors of the church. And I say that as a hypothetical. I mean, obviously, churches literally do lock their churches at night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm saying this as a I'm saying this as a as a uh, metaphor to that no no um, challenge in life can ever separate one from their identity of being a Catholic in this in this situation and a person of faith. Uh, so I would say absolutely, this person can come back. I, I and I love that because I mean that old cliche. Well. I can't, I can't come back to church because I've done things wrong in my, in my, you know, in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you hear that all the time. I'm not, I'm not worthy to, to come back to church. And you're saying that the church doors are open. Absolutely. Love that. What's the day to day like for a priest? Like just, just take us through, you know, a day for you. Sure. So you have to be a morning person, which I'm not. So that's that's that already starts off as a problem. I mean, John, I tell you, when I was in the seminary, I had to get up every morning at 7 a.m. It was torturous. I'm not a morning person. God didn't give me with that gift, you know. Uh, but you learn you learn that. So you have to get up somewhat early. I mean, because you know the parish early morning mass every day usually, you know. Um, so that always starts off with that, and then. The parish offices, that's kind of that kind of runs the day. You know, I mean, you get walk in appointments. Um, you know, if you want to see a priest to talk about something, you get a lot. of Sometimes you get a lot of calls down to the local hospital for, as I said earlier, those anointings. Uh, the afternoons are usually filled with more meetings. Um, there's always something that happens in, in the parish, too. Like, you know, the, the the boiler will will clunk out and that needs attention or you know something of that. Uh, or, you know, you have to talk to the religious ed director for, you know, the upcoming first penance or first communion or whatever. Uh, so there's always something that kind of just festers. Um, and then the evenings are usually um, more meetings or you usually will meet a priest. Usually they do their uh, marriage preparation with, you know, the couples that they're going to be marrying for that year. Uh, he'll meet with them. Um, always time, you know, for his meals and prayers and things. Uh, but, you know, th- this is the the reality of the life of a priest is it's so it's so it's so demanding of your whole self all the time that, you know, when the question comes up, well, should priests get married in this and that living as a priest in the day to day life of a priest and the and the emotional and uh, the emotional demands and the physical attention that you have to give um, to your work and to the people who are entrusted to your to your pastoral care. It's very demanding at, at at times. I mean, sure, there's slower periods, but when it's when it's when it's high, it's 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 demanding. And uh, because of that, you know, the priest having, you know, being uh, not married is able to really fully give himself in a more authentic way, and also a more holistic way where he can really devote himself to his people and to his parish. Wow, awesome. Father Glenn, um, this one, this one came in, and we're going to be wrapping things up here shortly. But a friend's grandma uh, sent me a message, and she wanted to know: Do you like playing bingo? And have you ever called bingo? <laughs> That's funny. Um, so every parish I've been in, they've never had bingo, so I've never called what? it. I, no, I know. A I know. Catholic That's church like, without bingo? I know. I Come know. on, Father I, Glenn. I'm te- well. Maybe in Connecticut, they're not as common as other places in the country. But um, <laughs> I've never had the. I would. I'll say this. I ne- I've never had the luxury. Okay. And do you? What do you guys just have slot machines or what? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. I, I, I want to, um, I, I, I'm going to end it with this, with, with this question. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I would say it's a one sentence line and it's something I reflect on a lot. And a priest told me this, it's not all about you. And I think that, um, that one word of advice, um, that I received, it's not always about you or it's not all about you kind of speaks to the heart of what it means to be a human and what it means to love authentically, not love others for, for your own gain, but love others for who they are, uh, not serve others to get something, but to serve people for who they are and recognizing that in this one, we're just one out of what now 7.5 billion people. And I think if people have that mindset where the things we do in life are not about us, but about the human family, uh, I think is a, is a great, great, uh, token to have in one's pocket. As, as, as we all go through life. That's a great piece of advice that you received. Would you, if I asked you the question, what advice could you give to somebody right now struggling with something? Would it be that exact same advice or would it be something different? Well, I think it could be tailored to the individual circumstance, but I mean, for someone right now who's, you know, struggling or going through maybe a rough spot in life, I would say, um, you're not the only one. And I would also add to that, there is a, a mountain of hope that God offers to us. We have to be willing to accept it. Father Glenn, um, I just, again, I, I just can't thank you enough for coming to hang out on the Outstanding Life podcast. Um, could you do me a favor? Sure. Could you please, please just maybe end this podcast with a prayer? Absolutely. All right. Let us pray. Lord God, we ask your blessing upon us in a special way. We ask you to uh, bless John and his work of uh, this ministry, this podcast, the, the work he does to bring hope to people. Uh, we ask your, your prayer and your blessings uh, for those um, People who have asked for our prayers, those who need prayers, those who have no one even to pray for them. Lord, we ask you to make us more fully human, more fully in touch with ourselves and the people among us, and seek always to bring and to be a bridge and not an obstacle of your love in the world. We make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father Glenn Demetrician, I... I just can't even thank you enough for this last hour of just hanging out and you just coming on the show and just being brutally honest with, with myself and with all the yes. listeners. I, I just, I, I can't even believe I told you an hour would go by super fast. It did and, actually. <laughs> I, I, it literally felt like 10 minutes, maybe, maybe not to the viewers, but to me it did. And, and father Glenn, <laughs> um, if you would just real quick, I mean, this is your first podcast, right? It is, yes. Just on, on, a, on a real quick note, could you tell the story that you told me about you being, you went on a trip with your parents 
and you met somebody that knew me. I just want you to kind of tell that story because I just thought it was so funny oh, of yes, where you yes. went and and just yes. tell that story for for the uh, listeners right now. This was just such a great story. Um, if you could, we're yeah. we're gonna end it with this. I promise. So my 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 older brother lives in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, always in the summertime, my family always used to go out and, and visit there. And and uh, my mother, uh, being you know the good Catholic she is, she enjoys the slot machines. <laughs> so she always gets us these free rooms at one of the hotels in, in Las Vegas. Usually we go out and we spend a couple of days with my brother, and then we would, as a family, go to the hotel and spend a couple of days just doing you know vacationing and things. And uh, my mother was talking to one of the hosts, and she saw our last name and she says demetrician she goes are you related to john the motivational cowboy <laughs> and i said no i've never met him but i think i i said but i think i'm friends with him on facebook but i never met the but i never met the guy so she just said she only said very nice nice things about you but that that was a that was a small that 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 was a, a funny story yeah it, it is i mean you you did, they always say that what we're seven people from knowing it you know everybody in our circle know. so it's kind of crazy yeah. And that was a, that was a number of years ago. That was, I think, going back to 2015. So, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, again, hey, Father Glenn, thank you so much. Hey, and just real quick, if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to tell, can I let everybody know that you are on Facebook, that they can find you there, Father Glenn Demetrician, sure. or um, if sure. you don't mind, and it's spelled D-M-Y-T-R-Y-S-Z-Y-N. Every third letter is a, a, um, a Y, and there's 10 yep. letters there. So yep, that's it. No vowels. So again, no vowels. Father Glenn Demetrician, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And again, everybody, I'm Johnny D, the motivational cowboy, telling all of you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an outstanding day. We'll see you next time on the Outstanding Life Podcast. Outstanding Life is a Soul Bridge Studio production.